You're listening to Yap, Young and Profiting Podcast, a place where you can listen, learn, and profit. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Hala Taha, and on Young and Profiting Podcast, we investigate a new topic each week and interview some of the brightest minds in the world. My goal is to turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your everyday life, no matter your age, profession, or industry. There's no fluff on this podcast, and that's on purpose. I'm here to uncover value from my guests by doing the proper research and asking the right questions. If you're new to the show, we've chatted with the likes of ex-FBI agents, real estate moguls, self-made billionaires, CEOs, and best-selling authors. Our subject matter ranges from enhancing productivity, how to gain influence, the art of entrepreneurship, and more. If you're smart and like to continually improve yourself, hit the subscribe button because you'll love it here at Young and Profiting Podcast. Hey everyone, you're listening to Yap Snacks, a series of bite-sized content hosted by me, Hala Taha. So we're a little over halfway into 2022, and I don't know about you all, but one of my goals for this year was to create better habits, and the time is starting to tick. As we're coming up on the middle of summer, I thought it'd be a great time to check in with where we're at and revisit how we can break bad habits and actually make the good ones stick. In terms of my bad habits, I've got my fair share, and I'm sure all of you do as well. Personally, I don't get enough sleep. I'm programmed to stay up later than I should. And my first instinct when I'm hungry is to order out rather than cook a healthy home-cooked meal. And I really hope to change these bad habits into good ones so I can get better sleep and stay in killer shape because I'm only getting older and eating out is definitely going to catch up to me one day, I'm sure. And in my opinion, healthy habits are what allows us to be the very best versions of ourselves because habits have more power in our day-to-day than most people think. In fact, many of the actions we do every day are habits. According to a study by Duke University, researchers found that about 45 percent of the activities people did were performed nearly each day under the same circumstances. This is crazy. Think about it. From the moment that you get up each day, about half of your actions are already predetermined by the innate habits that you've formed, consciously or not. Half the things that you do are not under your control. They are habits. And habits go beyond just brushing your teeth. They can be everything from when you wake up to how frequently you check your phone and when you check it and even the foods that you eat. So, Maybe you're like me and you want to form healthier habits. You want to be the best version of yourself, but you're not sure where you should exactly start. Luckily for you, I've had some of the most world-renowned habit experts here on Young and Profiting Podcasts. So the team has rounded up their most actionable guidance on how to form better habits, replace bad ones, and how to train our brains to actually crave the habits that we're trying to create. It's important that we're deliberate when we're looking to create a new pattern in our life. Whether you want to exercise more, spend less time on your phone, forming a new habit is essentially rewiring a part of your brain. We can't just hope a habit will catch on. We need to consciously implement the actions until they become automatic. Back in episode number 146, I had Charles Duhigg on Yap, who is literally the top expert on forming and maintaining habits. He's also the author of the extremely popular book, The Power of Habit. And in this first clip, Charles gives us the high context science behind why habits form and where they live in our brains. 
So one of the oldest structures in our brain is named the basal ganglia. And every animal on Earth has a basal ganglia. The basal ganglia, it's kind of almost at the center of the brain near the, the brain stem where your, where your spinal column meets your brain. And the basal ganglia basically exists to create habits. And, and the reason why the basal ganglia exists and why every animal has one is because without this ability to create habits – we would never have evolved, right? The the capacity to take a behavior and make it automatic is essential for the development of higher thought. So if when you walked down a path, you saw a rock and an apple and you had to think really hard to decide which one to put in your mouth, well, then you would spend your entire day trying to evaluate rocks and apples. But because it becomes a habit, oh, the red one is the one that I can stick in my mouth. The gray one is the one that I should kick to the side. That's how you can get the the free space within your brain to think up fire and building homes and then aircraft carriers and video games, right? This ability to take behaviors and make them automatic, make them into habits, that is how every species excels. And so it's a really important and really valuable skill. And, and it's amazing that humans can take the most complex behaviors and make them habitual. But it also means that because we essentially stop thinking in the middle of a habit, that unless we're deliberate about which habits we let into our lives, that things might go astray. Like Charles said, humans have evolved to the point where we can make almost any complex action habitual. So if we've been doing it for so long unconsciously, how then do we form a habit consciously or purposefully? Well, it turns out there's a scientific process to the creation of habits. And it isn't just one action or idea, but rather it's three different steps. These three components for habit formation are cue, routine, and reward. Here's Charles again to tell us how each component works within the brain and how putting them together can help us build a healthier habit. So as you mentioned, we tend to think of a habit as one thing, right? But it's actually these three separate things. There's a there's a cue, which is like a trigger for an automatic behavior to start. And then, and then the routine, which is the behavior itself, what we think of as the habit. And then there's the reward. And every habit in your life has a reward, whether you're aware of it or not. It's that reward that the basal ganglia latches onto in order to, to make that behavior automatic. It's because you anticipate that reward. So when when you back your car out of the driveway, you know, the first time you back your car out of the driveway, you really have to concentrate on it very hard. But, you know, the, by the fifth or sixth or ninth time, you can kind of almost do it on autopilot, right? You don't have to pay that much attention. That's because it's become a habit. And what's important is that if we could see inside your brain, when you back the car out, out of the driveway, your brain is anticipating a reward. And sure enough, when you safely make it into the street and start driving away, there's a little, little squirt of reward neurotransmitters, dopamine and, and other, other chemicals that sort of make yourself feel good and like a sense of reward. You're not aware of that reward sensation, but your brain is aware of it. And, and our brain pays attention to rewards and punishments, and it makes the things that happen that give us a reward more more automatic, easier to access. And so that's really important because what we know is, you know, when most people think about changing their habits, they focus on the behavior, on the routine. But what we now know from a lot of studies is that it's the cues and the rewards that are really the tools that give us the an ability to change the the behavior. And so if you diagnose the cue and the reward driving a particular habit, that's how you can change it. Let's hold that thought and take a quick break with our sponsors. Young and profiters, they may call me the podcast princess, but I'm also the LinkedIn queen. 
I've been a LinkedIn influencer for six years now, and I teach one of the most popular courses about LinkedIn. And I love to teach sales on LinkedIn because when it comes to B2B sales, LinkedIn has got that on lock. LinkedIn is where all the decision makers are hanging out. There are 180 million senior level decision makers on LinkedIn and 10 million C-suite decision makers. These people are on LinkedIn and they're in the mode to buy. They're using LinkedIn for their buying journey to research vendors or sales reps that they might work with, to look up how to solve their problems, to learn from industry thought leaders. They are in the mode to buy, whereas on other platforms, they're in the mode to be entertained. You want to get them in the right mindset. You want to cut through the noise with LinkedIn ads. In fact, 79% of B2B marketers rate LinkedIn as their top channel for paid media. And LinkedIn has the best targeting because they've got all these different inputs. People are putting their resume basically up on there. And so there's so many keywords that they can use to target the right decision makers so they can hear about how you solve their problems. And I've got a special gift for all you young and profiters who want to try LinkedIn ads. You can get $100 credit. LinkedIn was super generous. If you want to make B2B marketing everything it can be and get $100 credit on your next campaign, go to linkedin.com slash yap, Y-A-P. Again, if you want to claim your credit, go to linkedin.com slash yap. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Yap fam. Starting my LinkedIn Secrets Masterclass was one of the best things I've ever done for my business. I didn't have to waste time figuring out all the nuts and bolts of setting up a website that had everything I needed, like a way to buy my course, subscription offerings, chat functionality, and so on, because it was super easy with Shopify. (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, whether you're selling your first product, finally taking your side hustle full time, or making half a million dollars from your masterclass like me. And it doesn't matter if you're selling digital products or vegan cosmetics. Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Shopify's got you covered as you scale. Stop those online window shoppers in their tracks and turn them into loyal customers with the internet's best converting checkout. I'm talking 36% better on average compared to other options out there. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., from huge shoe brands like Allbirds to vegan cosmetic brands like Thrive Cosmetics. Actually, back on episode 253, I interviewed the CEO and founder of Thrive Cosmetics, Carissa Bodnar, and she told me about how she set up her store with Shopify and it was so plug and play, her store exploded right away. Even for a makeup artist type girl with no coding skills, it was easy for her to open up a shop and start her dream job as an entrepreneur. That was nearly a decade ago, and now it's even easier to sell more with less thanks to AI tools like Shopify Magic. And you never have to worry about figuring it out on your own. Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. So you can focus on the important stuff, the stuff you like to do, because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com profiting, and that's all lowercase. If you want to start that side hustle you've always dreamed of, if you want to start that business you can't stop thinking about, if you have a great idea, what are you waiting for? Start your store on Shopify. Go to shopify.com slash profiting now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. Shopify.com slash profiting for $1 per month trial period. 
Again, that's shopify.com slash profiting. So there you go. We can nail down forming new habits into a three-step process. It's really that simple. Science has proven it. And like Charles said, when you want to change behavior, you don't need to focus on the action itself. Rather, you focus on the cue and the reward. A habit cue is something that can trigger a habit. They typically look like a location, a time of day, other people, an emotional state, or an immediately preceding action. For example, every time around noon when you walk by the break room at work, you smell brewing coffee and you're triggered to want to have a cup. The reward is the result of the action and it's a positive reinforcement that makes us more likely to repeat that behavior. Rewards come in all shapes and sizes and can be something tangible or intangible. In this coffee break example, it's getting a caffeine boost. It can even be something you place value on, even though it has no inherent value, like checking a box or crossing an item off a to-do list. But when it comes to making and keeping a habit, the real trick is being persistent because habits don't just form overnight. It takes time and repetition. In fact, on average, it takes more than two months before a new behavior becomes automatic, 66 days to be exact. And how long it takes to form a new habit can vary widely depending on the behavior, the person, and the circumstances. So forming new habits does take commitment, but after enough repetition, you'll subconsciously perform these habits on autopilot. But what about bad habits? like biting our nails or that weekly drive through visit that you know you should not be taking. We all have habits that we desperately want to break, but we just can't seem to shake them off. The idea of getting rid of bad habits is kind of a myth. Unfortunately, we can't simply erase bad habits from our brains. But what we can do is replace bad habits. Here's a clip from my conversation with emotional intelligence expert Justin Bariso back from episode number 40. Justin gives us an amazing example of how he replaced a small but toxic habit that was taking away precious time from his life and how that led him to a better relationship with his kids. Well, it all goes back into the habits, right? Once you do something over and over again, you're basically, you're running a little path in your brain and it gets very, very easy to do that same thing over and over again. And even if you regret it, if you do certain actions that you regret, if you don't do anything to change that path, then you're just going to do it over and over again. So here's an experience I write about in the book to illustrate this. And it's my own experience, actually. As I mentioned, I have small children, so Mm -hmm. I might take my children to the park and, you know, I'm very... I'm always checking my email, right? So I I open my phone, I get a message or I get an email and they are trying to play with dad. I'm trying to respond to this email or this message. I get frustrated. Next thing you know, I'm like yelling, you know, just leave me alone for a second. I got to respond to this. They end up in tears, you know, and like, it's just this horrible scene. Who's at fault there? Okay. Well, you could say I'm at fault, but if we break it down even further, you know, the children are just trying to get my attention, which I've kind of promised them because I'm taking them to the park. I'm trying to do something for work at the moment, which isn't bad within itself, but the real problem, the underlying problem is Um, I'm trying to multitask Mm. and I happen to be the worst multitasker on earth. I've discovered this about myself, but I would hate it when that happened and I'd apologize to my kids. And then what would happen? I do the exact same thing the next day or the next week. Mm. So I eventually had to build self-awareness. I had to say, look, I'm doing this over and over again. I have to recognize that and I have to do something to stop it. So you can't just get rid of a bad habit, you have to replace a bad habit. So I had to tell myself, okay, I have to 
completely silence my phone, turn off notifications and everything if I'm taking my kids to the park. Because if I try to do both things, it's going to end up bad. Mm-hmm. And if I know that there's a message coming, you know, there's always exceptions. There may be something that you have to handle in a timely way and you have to take your kids at that moment or whatever the situation is for your audience. But mm-hmm. if you run into one of those situations, now you have to make the adjustment. So I have to tell my kids, look, you have my full attention. However, <laughs> you know, I have a message coming through in half an hour, so I'm going to have to check my phone. So I just want to brace you for that. I'll, I have to go away for five minutes and, you know, make sure my wife's got them or whatever. Make sure they're taken care of so I can go back, check my phone and answer whatever message I need. Mm-hmm. So here's where I'm replacing that bad habit. But it all came down to realizing how the emotion of, you know, dealing with multitasking was actually the root cause of the problem. And that's helped me. I discovered this years ago and it helped me in so many other ways of life. It wasn't just dealing with my kids. It was realizing that I couldn't get through a single task because I had notifications going off on my phone, you know, Mm -hmm. or on my computer. And I needed to silence these if I'm working head down on a specific task, like when I was writing my book, for example, or anything like that. If I'm trying to have a conversation with my wife and my phone goes off and it's immediately distracting me and that ends badly. She's like, are you listening to me? You know? So I had to realize the same thing. And and sometimes it was, hey, honey, give me just two minutes so I can finish this up. And then you have my full undivided attention. And that simple action completely changes the tone and the nature of our conversation. I just want to hit on that takeaway one more time. You can't just get rid of a bad habit. You have to replace it. Instead of just checking his phone all the time, Justin kept his phone on silent. But when a message did pop up that he urgently needed to respond to, which was a cue, he built a new habit of consulting his family. For a long time, I thought that I could just cancel out my bad habits by loading up on new ones. For example, if I worked out five times a week, it could cancel out all the poor decisions I made when it comes to my diet. Or if I was hyper-focused at work and got tons of stuff every day, it would cancel out all my poor sleep decisions. But that's not how it works. And bad habits can come back to bite you if they're ignored for too long. So when you're trying to break an unhealthy or unwanted pattern, we need to adjust our mindset. We do this by redirecting the paths that have been formed in our brains to create a different action that replaces the bad habit. So for example, if I feel snackish instead of reaching for chips, I'll reach for an apple now. And my cue is that I feel hungry. My routine is reaching for something healthier instead of junk food. And my reward is that I feel full from that apple and not crappy from binging on junk food. I have more energy. Repeating this routine time and time again retrains my brain from automatically craving a bag of chips when I'm feeling snackish to craving something healthier and lighter when I'm actually hungry. It may seem simple. Just stick to the formula and you'll easily replace bad habits with good ones. But then why do most people backtrack from forming healthy habits and stay in the same rut for years? This is where effort comes in. Effort is the lifeblood of forming a new habit. You need the why behind your actions. What's going to keep you on this new path day after day? In episode number 146, I spoke with motivation expert Jeff Hayden about how to start with small steps to help us reach our bigger goals. Here's Jeff to tell you more. Probably the biggest gap or the the biggest hurdle that people have to cross when you want to start something new is you are starting at a place of 
no experience, no expertise, you're kind of at the zero spot in most cases. And so if you look ahead to where you want to go, that bridge that you have to cross is incredibly daunting because it's like, okay, I'm, I'm just this. How am I going to get all the way over there? And so if you're constantly focused on that end place, then even little successes that you make early on, which you tend to do because you're new, so you learn quickly and you gain some skill fairly fast, they're meaningless to you because compared to what you think you want to be someday, well, it's nothing. And so the biggest thing for me is, you know, because I, I struggled with the first few things I wrote, but then I, I thought, and I would think to myself, how am I ever going to be able to do this? Because it takes me way too long. I'm creating decent things, but gosh, it takes forever and there's no way for me to make this work. And then I thought, well, okay, but I, I can't sit down and, and think, okay, I'm going to be Malcolm Gladwell tomorrow or something like that. But what I can do is just work really hard on whatever is in front of me. So I switched over and just said, my goal every time I do something is, all right, I have this to do. I need to do it as well as I can. I need to finish it. I need to get good feedback from it, which means I, I did a good job because whether I thought I did a good job didn't really matter. It's what the client thought. And that's all I can do right now. But that's enough. And so if I stack enough of those experiences up, then the experience kind of comes. And so by keeping a short time horizon in terms of my like inner feedback loop, then if I worked on a project one night and it was a short one and I got it done, that felt really good because I set out to do what I wanted to do. I completed a task. It went well. That was enough to get me to the next one. And so I just fell into this place of all I need is enough motivation to get to the next one. And if I get to the next one and I get to the next one, then suddenly you can look back and go, wow, I'm starting to come a long way because I'm, you know, you pop your head up every once in a while and sort of look at where you are and go, wow, that is really cool. And then you need to put your head right back down again and just focused on next and next and next. And so, and then the other part of it is that I'm not particularly smart. I have a college degree, but I'm not particularly educated. I don't have anything. There's nothing. I'm decidedly average. Let's just let's just say that. So I, <laughs> I don't, don't have anything. True, but okay. <laughs> well, I don't have anything special going for me except for the fact that I realize that if I put in enough effort, there are a lot of things I can do. And so I'm very much an effort kind of a person. And so that actually works really well because I don't think you get motivation from like this. I'm sitting around one day and suddenly I have the lightning bolt that says, I want to be a, you know, a famous writer or some, whatever it is you want to be. I don't, that doesn't work. I don't think that kind of motivation, I don't know anybody that has that. All you really need is to say, I'm interested in writing. Let me get started in some fashion. And through effort, if you work hard at it, you improve because we always get better at things we work hard at. It is a natural thing. It's, it, it's just like taxes. It's a law of the universe. And whenever you get a little better, that feels good. And so effort equals a little bit of achievement, which feels good, which creates motivation for you to take a little more effort, which means you'll improve a little more, which feels good. And so there's this really cool, virtuous cycle of effort, achievement, fulfillment, happiness, motivation that you can spin forever and ever and ever if you focus on doing it that way. If all you care about is this big end result, it's demoralizing and defeating and you have to rely on willpower alone and none of us have enough willpower to do that. But if you just get that cycle started, there it is. So 
To me, motivation doesn't come first. Effort comes first. We'll be right back after a quick break from our sponsors. Young and profiters, Yap Media is growing so fast. I have 10 open roles just this month. In the past, it would take me so long to find hires. I have to go on all these different job sites. I have to create my own skills assessments. That's why I let Indeed do a lot of this heavy lifting for me. Indeed is the powerful hiring platform where I can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Indeed has things like skills assessments, where when we have specific roles, we can find an assessment that matches that role and we can make sure they have the skills that we need. Then I can focus on culture fit. I can make sure they're scrappy enough and are obsessed with excellence and do all the things that we need to do for them to fit in at YAP. And Indeed streamlines hiring with powerful tools like Instant Match. An Instant Match basically matches you with candidates as soon as you put up a job post with people who are qualified right away. It's instant. And the best part is it gets better as you use it. So now when I use Indeed, especially when I'm hiring for similar roles, I get people right away where they know that I'm going to like the candidates because they can see what my preferences were in the past. It gets better as you use it. According to US Indeed data, the moment Indeed sponsors a job, over 80% of employers get candidates whose resumes are a perfect match for the position. It's like waving a magic wand that gets better as you use it. So I love using Indeed. We've found a lot of our A players on there. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide who count on Indeed to hire their next superstar like we do at Yap Media. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at indeed.com slash profiting. Offer is good for a limited time. Claim your $75 sponsored job credit at indeed.com slash profiting. Again, that's indeed.com slash profiting. And support the show by saying you heard about it on Young and Profiting Podcast. Again, it's indeed.com slash profiting to get your $75 credit. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Young and profiters, we are all making money. But is your money hustling for you? Meaning, are you investing? Putting your savings in the bank is just doing you a total disservice. You got to beat inflation. I've been investing heavily for years. I've got an E-Trade account. I've got a Robinhood account. And it used to be such a pain to manage all of my accounts. I'd hop from platform to platform. I'd always forget my Fidelity password. And then I have to reset my password. I knew that needed to change because I need to keep track of all my stuff. Everything got better once I started using Yahoo Finance, the sponsor of today's episode. You can securely link up all of your investment accounts in Yahoo Finance for one unified view of your wealth. They've got stock analyst ratings. They have independent research. I can customize charts and choose what metrics I want to display for all my stocks so I can make the best decisions. I can even dig into financial statements and balance sheets of the companies that I'm curious about. Whether you're a seasoned investor or looking for that extra guidance, Yahoo Finance gives you all the tools and data you need in one place. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination yahoofinance.com. That's yahoofinance.com. Jeff tells us how breaking down your main goal into smaller, actionable steps helps you stay motivated and keeps those good habits you're creating. You'll create a feedback loop or motivation loop that will keep you going until you've found the groove to continue your new routine day after day. Hopefully celebrating your small wins helps keep you on track. 
But in case that doesn't work for you, let's take a moment to talk about commitment devices. I had best-selling author Mark Batterson on, on episode number 154, and he dropped so much wisdom about how to make habits last and the mental hurdles we face when trying to make changes in our lives. In this last clip, Mark tells us about his idea of commitment devices. Commitment devices are tools, physical or mental, that we use to help keep the promises we're making to ourselves. I think um, the most obvious commitment device is something called an alarm clock. <laughs> you know, it's <laughs> this idea that when you get up every day is a pretty significant factor because if you're getting up just in time to kind of eat breakfast, get a shower, get out the door and get to work, I don't think that's a recipe for like accomplishing your dreams. I don't think you're going to get in shape that way. I don't think you're going to get out of debt that way. I don't think you're going to grow spiritually, relationally that way. And so you really have to leverage that alarm clock. A commitment device is simply, it's giving yourself a deadline. It's putting things in place that force you to actually do what it is that you're saying that you're going to do. What's fun is I actually leverage occasionally in one of my messages, you know, and I, I have the privilege of speaking to a few thousand people every weekend. And one of the things I do, and this is a little trick of the trade, is I'll go public with something because I know that then I'll hold myself accountable. So I announced in a message, hey, I'm going to run a marathon when I couldn't even run three miles yet. So there, there's a commitment device is basically something that forces your hand. It's making that appointment. It's filling out the application. It's doing something that initiates uh, that process and forces you to commit to it. Commitment devices are absolutely amazing tools when it comes to starting something new and starting a new habit. And let me tell you, they work. When I first had the idea to start a podcast, one of the first things that I did was announce it to all of my coworkers. I was working full time and I barely had any extra time in my schedule to do anything outside of work. But deep down, I knew that starting a podcast was something that I absolutely had to do. So I told all of my coworkers I was doing this. I announced it at a meeting and then I went on LinkedIn and I also posted it on there. And I told all of my followers, which wasn't a lot at the time, but it was still meaningful that I was going to start a podcast by the end of the year. And because I posted that goal publicly, I felt like I had officially forced myself to commit. I needed to stick to my word because people were following up with me about it and I needed to pursue my dream. I couldn't hide behind my own excuses anymore. And guess what? By the end of the year, Young and Profiting Podcast was born and I have not looked back. So if you're already feeling like you're holding yourself back or not making progress, I challenge you to leverage those commitment devices and go public. See what happens when you make yourself accountable for taking the next step in your journey, whether it's starting a side hustle, whether it's getting into shape, stopping that junk food habit or anything in between. If we follow the advice from the experts in this episode, we can all get closer to achieving our goals and locking in those good habits. Remember that it takes commitment, motivation, and flexibility to build new habits. So identify those cues, routines, and rewards to help you create and retain better habits and replace those bad habits with healthier ones. And it's okay to start small. Just keep moving forward and challenging yourself to stay consistent. Remember, habits aren't just actions. They are what you do. 
Thanks for listening to this week's Yap Snacks on how to create habits. And I hope that you learned some actionable advice that you can use to form better habit routines and leave those bad habits behind. What did you think about this episode? Tell me your main takeaway by dropping us a five-star review on Apple Podcast, CastBox, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You guys can also find me on Instagram at Yap with Hala or LinkedIn if you search for my name. It's Hala Taha. And by the way, I have a text community that you guys can all join. If you have a question for me or any of our YAP guests, you can just text YAP, Y-A-P to 28046. We take those questions for our new series, Ask Hala Anything. It's really fun. We've been dropping them every Friday lately. And so check those episodes out. Again, you can join the text community by texting YAP to 28046. As always, thanks for listening to Young and Profiting Podcast. And thanks so much to my amazing team. This is your host, Hala Taha, signing off.